from AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. Here's your host, Chip Lutz. Well, hello, and welcome to LaughBox, the official podcast for the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Today, I get to talk to a good friend of mine, Izzy Gazelle. Izzy is uh, a well, super funny guy, one, but he also is an organization alchemist, which we'll get into a little bit, hopefully. And, you know, I've had the opportunity to you know, hear him speak and talk to him a few times, and I know we're going to get a lot from the conversation we're going to have today. So welcome, Izzy, to LaughBox. Thank you, Chip. <laughs> I'm practicing. <laughs> I like I like that because there was a tad bit of sarcasm in the laugh. I, I like that. It's a, it's the New York. No, no. no. <laughs> so, well, you, you know, the sarcasm can only be uh, achieved with two people. This, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So the I know and, the sender and the receiver. Yeah. Now I know you, but for our listeners, if you could give them the 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 lowdown on. Who is he is? Ah, um, right now I am the end result of all the days of my life. Uh, <laughs> I started out as a special education teacher in New York City where I grew up. I uh, always wanted to be a stand-up comedian, which is not that different than being a stand-up comedian in New York, uh, than being a special ed teacher in New York City. And um, I did comedy for a number of years and eventually was teaching comedy writing at UMass Amherst where I met business people who wanted to learn more about how humor works rather than becoming comedians. So that's where I got started with um, working with uh, individuals and organizations on looking at the roles humor play uh, in our lives. And what, what struck me very early on was that everyone wants a sense of humor, people love a sense of humor, and very few people understand humor. Uh, how it works, the functions it has interpersonally and in, in society. So for the last 25 years, I've been working with uh, 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 helping people uh, use and understand the, the skills and uh, effects of humor. Well, we'll get, let's get into that in a few minutes. But first, I want to understand, like, so from a very early age, you wanted to be a, a, a stand-up comedian. Just You just... Were you the, come from a funny family, or was it just... You know, no, no, no. My, it, it really was a search for a way to understand my own um, life or my own uh, frustrations, uh, and, and at the same time to look for a creative outlet. So I, I, I was not musically uh, able. I couldn't draw. I couldn't sing, uh, but I could laugh. And... Um, my family was not 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 especially a happy you know a, a, a laugh out loud joyful family. They were uh, I, as I describe it, I was brought up in a bad things happened in threes household. So you know there's always well, <laughs> it's like it's like recently you know it, it, when we were recording this, I just realized you know if you think about comedians, bad things happen in threes. You had uh, Dick Gregory, Jerry Lewis, and Shelley Berman all pass away within a short period of time. And after Jerry Lewis, who was the second one, I did say to a friend of mine, I got to look out who's the next comedian who's going to go. And don't you know, Shelley Berman passed a little while ago. So um, I, I, for myself, what I realized was that humor was a release and a distraction from the negativity point of view, A, uh, number one. 
And B, what I realized was that humor was often used um, to uh, reverse the impact of negative situations. So I think of TV shows and movies like MASH, there's operating room humor. And I, I, I was first attracted to what we call the shadow humor, the gallows humor, the operating room humor, um, because it, uh, somehow I realized that that was a way of coping with the, um, the, the uncontrollable. So that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's where I began to drift toward. Uh, once I learned that you could learn about humor, uh, study humor, I studied humor in New York with, uh, when I was learning to be a comedian in comedy writing. Uh, I began to understand it. This is interesting. Learning to do comedy writing, learning, you know, you're getting your humor chops. Was that a difficult process or was it, I mean, what were some of the things that they did through that? Well, in terms of the writing, there's the, the writing and the creating, and then there's the, um, you know, the, the delivery, the stand-up piece. Those, those two things are different. Um, all they, they are, although they are connected. One of the things I learned was that humor is structured and that there are patterns that um, uh, work. And that's why when we're listening to what we know is a joke, we know that there's a punchline because mm-hmm. it's built, we're, we're taking along a path to set up the problem. We may not know what the solution is, but we do know that there's a punchline. So I learned certain com- comedic techniques such as exaggeration. It was hot out there. How hot was it? It was so hot that blah, 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 blah. There's the reversal formula. Um, uh, I met a man who said he hadn't had a bite in three weeks. So I bit him. Uh, you know, the, the, the idea is that there are certain structures to the way humor is um, presented and delivered that was um, very insightful. Uh, one more I'll give you is that generally the, the common uh, question that people ask when they're creating humor is what if. So if you look at your comedy shows or your comedy movies, generally there's a premise in it about what if. So in, in, remember that old show Mork and Mindy mm-hmm. uh, with Robin Williams? You know the the, the idea there is what if an uh, what if an alien came from outer space and lived with a person in California? Uh, you take any comedy show, any sitcom, and you'll see that at its spot its focus is what if. You know, what if uh, you fill in the blank? Interesting. I never really thought about it like that. But if I sit back and look at the sitcoms that I've watched my entire life, that true that is a true statement, that it's all based on some kind of what if. That's a mm-hmm. great way just to start the whole creative process. What, what, well, that's a creative question. If you think about it as a creative question, uh, broader than a humor question, uh Innovation is essentially what if? What if we put this together and this together? And what if we could make a um, uh, a cat litter box that cleaned itself? You know, that, that, those kinds of things are the sparks of creativity. And what humor is is a structured form of um, looking at the world that that tries to change perspective. Humor is always about perspective, and the essence of the question "What if?" is a change in perspective question. What if this was like this? What are some of the bigger barriers you find people have in finding the humor in their current situation? Um, ask me that again, Chip. Well, because I just think about some of the trials and tribulations people go through and that sometimes like, you know, for people like you and me, it's easy for us to see the humor in it or, you know, try to use humor to reverse it a little bit. What are some of the barriers people face in, 
finding that humor, using it as a tool. One of the biggest barriers for, as you as you indicated, the key is that it's a, people who are humorists or, or who are naturally humorous have a way of looking at things from different perspectives. And uh, that is a practice skill. Um, so the more you do it, the more you're able to uh, play around with possibilities and therefore see certain ironies in it. So the challenge for most folks is not, first of all, not knowing that they have the option of seeing things from a different point of view. And secondly, not feeling confident in them being able to uh, come up with a different point of view. And the third obstacle is that when you say that you're funny or people ask for humor, there's a high expectation that you're going to succeed and people are reticent to take the risk because if people don't laugh, then you fail. So those three things are, are, are big blocks. Those are big um, blocks. Uh, you know, uh, I think about from my the, own perspective. The idea Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was talking over no, you. Go ahead. I was just no. thinking about from my own perspective yeah, on, yeah, no. on the whole risk thing yeah, that, tell, tell me. that sometimes, yeah. you know, I don't really need to make other people laugh because I, I have things in my head that are just hilarious. But if I go to communicate them to other people, they're not going to be as funny. So I'll just keep them to myself. It's just say I've got a whole, you know, smorgasbord of different things going on up there. <laughs> so I, 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 I do it just to make myself yeah. laugh. Yeah, we do it to ourselves. Yeah, uh, there's a difference to having humor for yourself than than trying to make other people laugh. And and you're right that sometimes things just need to be kept to ourselves because the the, the delivery part of humor is that uh, you have to know the audience. There's the matter of timing. There's the matter of relevance, and there's the matter of um, uh, um, uh, accountability. Um, knowing your audience is really key, uh, and if you're doing it just for yourself, then you are your own audience and that's okay. Uh, but the practice is really about seeing things from different points of view. Uh, if you look at Zen, you know, they have the Zen mind or the beginner's mind or the six-year-old mind. Those are all humorous, positive questions. You know, what would a six-year-old do in this situation? What would a Zen master do in this situation? What would um, Bugs Bunny do in this situation? Mm -hmm. All of those give you different possibilities. And that's where the humor is effective in showing you different possibilities. So that's one way we could look at it as far as, you know, trying to get out of our own head and away from the obstacle. One way to practice humor would be to look at it from, you know, those three different perspectives you gave or any, any perspectives. What are some other tools people right. can use to you know, twist it around to try to find the, the humor in a humorless situation? The biggest block for most folks is to differentiate between the things that they think might be funny and the question we ask ourselves is, well, how can I use this? When I teach comedy or when I'm working with speakers or business people on developing humor in speeches, the, the, the first lesson is whenever you, you carry a notebook, you capture humor when it comes into you. Humor could be irony, could, humor could be some overheard conversation that makes you laugh or smile, and then you write it down and then resist the urge to say, how am I going to use this? So the idea is you want to collect seeds, you want to collect sparkles of humor, and the delivery of humor is about the craft 
or the you know the idea about how am I going to position this? What relevance does it have to the audience? Mm-hmm. So if you're writing a speech or making a story, you you, you know you put up the uh, the situation, which is uh, you need a setup, you need characters, you need somebody or something that is a dilemma or a conflict, and you need a resolution to that piece. So all of those things come after the idea of what if. And then you put the what if or the overheard comment into uh, a, a situation where that would make sense but would have a different perspective. Uh, so if you look at overheard conversations, uh, you can always hear and, and they're funny because there's something that strikes you as humorous. And you can then use that in a different context when you're telling the story, yeah, right. and, that, that kind of situation. And when I tell a story, I, I, I collect things and you know, I'll write them down on pieces of paper and I'll go through I have and then I'll uh, type them out I have like a whole idea a folder on my computer of different things but yeah the more I share a story like especially if it was a uh, uh, like a trial or tribulation I went through um, it, it seems that the, the less that trial or tribulation has power over me because I'm I'm kind of you know making fun of it in a way Yes, you are making fun of it, and and the phrase "laughing at something" is a way to increase our status and feeling of power. Because when you laugh at something, you are essentially lowering its its power to scare you. So right. if you look at operating room humor or gallows humor, we're not laughing at the cancer, for example. We're laughing at our fear of cancer. We're laughing at our humanity. And we're laughing at uh, the ability to, ha ha, I can see, I can see there's a silver lining here, blah, blah, blah. So, yes, you're exactly right. It, it's really a way of changing your relation to things. Those are, it's a great uh, tool to have in my like toolbox to overcome things. What are some other things? Because hey, I know you work a lot with organizations, so, and that can be a pretty sterile environment. What are some of the things that you share with, you know, people and organizations to help them, you know, trudge on or build better teams or just, you know, you know, get through the shit they have to deal with every day. Yeah. One of the things that I always mention is that uh, humor works as a thermostat uh, for the uh, culture of the organization. So uh, effective organizations, uh, effective teams generally have a positive sense of humor about themselves. They're able to laugh together. Uh, they're not uh, uh, resentful, negative. Uh, uh, they, they, they can take it from each other. Uh, organizations that, that are just using uh, uh, sarcasm, put-down humor, blaming humor, generally what humor does is uh, reveal some truth. You, you know, Chip, there's a, uh, an old saying that a lot of truth is said in jest. And that comes from, I believe, the, the realization that um, humor at one point in, in the world and still to some extent has an allowance to tell truth to power. So comedians are telling things that may not be um, nice, but they're truthful. So what I tell organizations is that, uh, t- first of all, take a look at humor in the organization and see what information you can get out of it. Uh, and then secondly, I, I, I work with them on recognizing how to bring humor in 
uh, to the culture without necessarily having to be joke tellers. Because joke tellers is, is a form of storytelling. Humor is is a feeling. Humor is a uh, an, uh, 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 a situation where people uh, spirits are lifted. So you can have uh, funny quotes on um, uh, on memos. You can encourage people to uh, show their you know bring in their uh, high school pictures. You know there there's a lot of stuff that that people can look at and smile without actually having to make other people um, laugh. So that it's, it's really a matter for organizations of developing a culture where positive humor and connective humor is evidence and um, it's, it's not just about joke telling. Have you found that in the work that you've done that there's a difference in humor in male-dominated organizations versus, you know, female or a mix? Because I found that, you know, like, it, it, when it's mostly men, there can be a lot more put down humor. And it's like almost like a status thing, you know, where, it, you know, you said the, the truth is there, but it's kind of like a jockeying for position. And, and you know, I, I, I see that it's a little less um, so when it's uh, uh, predominantly female or, you know, a little uh, greater mixture of people. I think that's generally true. I think that may be changing. Uh, as um, the gender roles and, and the way uh, uh, males and females are brought up uh, mm -hmm. changes. But y yes, historically, um, boys were brought up to be more competitive, mm -hmm. and humor was a way to, um, to, to do that. Uh, if you think of the phrases about humor, uh, put them down, uh, left them speechless, had the last word, those are all competitive situations. Traditionally, um, girls and young women have not been brought up to be competitive, overtly competitive, and to, uh, or to be that, that slapsticky, physically stuff. Although, if you look at Lucille Ball, Carol Burnett, those were pretty good slapstick comedians. Right. Um, but they, were, they weren't violent slapstick comedians like the Three Stooges. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I, 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 yeah, I agree with you on the differences uh, and I think those are, are uh, evening out. Now, because I know since you work with so many organizations, how does humor help facilitate communication a little better? Because I know that you know, sometimes it greases the skids a little bit, but you know, how, do, you know, how, how have you seen that help you know, teams communicate a little bit better? One of the ways is if people can laugh together at a difficult situation, um, they are able to absorb the reality of that situation a little bit better. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not like I, I do remember one time being brought in to do humor in the workplace uh, right before there was going to be a big layoff. And uh, <laughs> so that's, <I> <laughs> you know, the, but um, uh, I, I think, again, the humor in, in an organization. Uh, is one way that people get through tough situations if they're positively humorous with each other. Mm -hmm. So if you have a culture where people can laugh, where people can enjoy things, where people can look at obstacles uh, as, as difficult and challenging, but also being able to um, laugh at their frustrations and the, and, and the challenges, then they're laughing together, which unites them, which makes them more able to be vulnerable with each other, which makes them more able to push against each other, which makes them more able to trust each other and therefore have a better chance of, of going 
of, of riding the rocky waves um, with fewer people falling off the boat. I like that. I like the way you put it. The way you put it makes me think that, you know, humor, in essence, builds trust within a team. It does. I mean, if you think about, if you think about the, the, the attitude and the position that people take when they're laughing, we're generally, we're sitting, we're nodding. When, when we hear something that's funny or we experience something that's funny, generally the position is, it's, yeah, that's right. It, it's a, a moment of realization about the reality of the world. And when you have other people who see that reality with you, there's, a, to my belief, an in, in, innate bonding in that we're connected in this difficult situation. And when you're connected in a difficult situation, you feel more hopeful because you're not alone. Plus, you have the access to more um, ingenuity and creativity and perspective. So your chances of surviving in a positive way increase. So if I'm working in an environment where, and I love the the example you give of humor being kind of like a thermostat. And if my thermostat is, is off, you know, I know that I, like you said, I can you know, just, add some funny quotes or bring in some, you know, high, you know, some, you know, pictures when we were younger. So what are some other th tools that we can do to put you know, level out the thermostat? So it's the right temperature. You can develop a libraries or resources where people can go to uh, sort of take a, a humor break. Uh, you can find out if you, you can help other people. So if I know, for example, that there's a certain comedian that you like, because you, you told me you like this person, and I see on my Netflix feed that this comedian has a Netflix thing, I might send you a, uh, a link saying, hey, Chip, you know, I remember you said you like this person. Uh, you might like to see this if you haven't seen this before. So one way to change the environment is to feed other people things that make them happy. Uh, become a person who not only wants to laugh themselves, but wants to lighten the environment for other people. In terms of yourself, it's, it's, it's important to recognize that it's hard to laugh when you're not feeling happy or funny or depressed. So mm -hmm. uh, prepare yourself. Have some go-to situations. In the same way that you're advised to, if you're feeling uh, down or something, exercise, take a walk, uh, do something physical, change your, your state, your physical state. I'm an advocate of changing your emotional state. If you're stuck, if you're frustrated, if you're if you're depressed, not clinically, of course, I'm not saying you can change that. But if you're in a bit of a funk, um, take yourself to a place where you can lose yourself in, in, in focusing on something that makes you laugh. Uh, and it, there's no shortage of that now with streaming and, and on demand and the, the, the cartoons that you like. Collect cartoons that you like. Collect quotes that you like that, that are relevant to you, that make you smile. Put them in a folder on your computer, or write them out and jot them out on your desk. And every so often, just go to it. It's sort of like a, um, you know, those uh, energy drinks <laughs> that they have: five-hour energy, two-hour energy. Well, this is like thirty-second energy. Go nice. look at that folder, look at that quote, and and boom, you know, you just you stop the slide. You get a little bit of a jolt, and maybe that change will will put you back on track. That is beautiful. It's kind of like your uh, underdog super energy pill. So what's your humor go-to? Yeah. I don't use humor at all. I'm sorry, Chip. It's just a subject <laughs> for me that I study. 
what's your, no seriously what's your go-to what is what's your favorite thing like if you got yeah, a going on, what's your favorite seriously, <laughs> seriously tell me about your humor seriously <laughs> tell me about your seriousness um i i i, I have i i have some uh, you know i i have netflix i have hulu uh, I, I'm always on the lookout for, for, uh, watching stand-up comedy and, and a series that, you know, that I know will, will, will make me laugh. Um, I have quotes, you know, I've collected a lot of quotes uh-huh. because I, 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 write and I, I, I spend a lot of time around humor. I'm fortunate in that, um, I have lots of ways, you know, so I, I right now I'm coaching a, a doctor who wants to be a stand-up comedian, so I'm helping him develop his material and his routine. So I'm I'm actually writing some humor. I'm helping him. So I'm fortunate in my work that I'm I'm always in touch with some kind of humor, whether it's from the scholarly point of view or the comedic point of view or just the um, the entertainment point of view. Um, so I've 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 reinforced my life with a lot of humor. Nice. My my for me it's Will Ferrell. Any any of his earlier work. His newer movies, uh eh, not yeah. so much. You know, his newest movie, House or The House, uh that he did with Amy Poehler. Yeah. I wanted that ninety minutes of my life back. But uh, yeah. his earlier work, you know, Talladega Nights, old school, those are all things that if I'm in yeah. a funk or even is on a Saturday night, you know, the Saturday night live special, uh where it's just all Will Ferrell. I'll put that on Netflix. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make a difference how many times I've seen it. It makes me laugh, and that's that's my go-to right there. Yeah, that's yeah. I have a number of go-to. I love I love the Monty Python movies. Yes. You know, some of the sketches are are, are are not that great, but um, they don't. They but the the movies last pretty well. Um, I've been watching um, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is coming back on, on HBO in October, but they have some old episodes on, on HBO. So I'm revisiting some things. And the, the thing about humor, which, which we haven't really talked about in terms of changing the way you look at the world, when I look at the HBO list and there are like 10 or 15 old Curb Your Enthusiasm, I'm smiling when I'm looking for it because mm-hmm. my expectation has been raised. So I'm actually, without having to watch that show, the memory of the experience is enough to fuel me right now. So that's an, another tool we could use is just think about that that experience we have or have had in our past. Yeah, that, yeah that's why collecting quotes and jokes and, 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 and humorous situations and writing things down, that, that is, uh, you know, sort of a, uh, it, it's like freeze-dried humor. All you got to do is, is add your vision or, or add your audio, and it pops right back up. The positive expectation. I like that's that's because I'm sitting here, I'm smiling because I'm automatically thinking about different things in my past that have been really funny that uh, I don't need to relive them. I can just kind of relive them in my head. Like the time my my brother and I went, to, we're going through a toll booth in Virginia Beach, and neither of us had any change, but we had a package of uh, donut gems, and he threw he threw a donut in the toll thing. He said, "Oh, it's worth about a quarter. Let's hit it." And we went, we went through the we went through the on a donut. Exactly, exactly. The experiences in our life that are naturally funny when they're collected um, can go back over and over and over again. So um, uh, it's one of the things I did with my prostate cancer experience is that I sat down and I wrote out some of the situations that I found funny uh, or humorous at the time. And, and I still, I, you know, I use them now when I talk to people about my experience or um, uh, talk to cancer groups. So it, it, you're exactly right. It's really a way to 
your memory is a storeroom for those um, emotions. So what I hear you saying is that it really kind of gets down to making a conscious choice that we can focus in on. It's a practice. Yeah, that we can focus in and keep replaying the negative stuff in our head, or we can, you know, like you said, make a practice of going back to the things that um, our our folder of our list of things that are funny going, you know, going through that list in our head of the things that have been funny and writing down some of the absurdities of what maybe are, are, is currently going on, you know, all really good things for us to use in order to yep. make humor a practical part of our everyday lives. And then if it works out, we can share it with somebody else. Yeah, Great. If exactly. not, whatever jokes on them. <laughs> anyway, exactly. Exactly. Now, if after today people want to, find- some people don't get it. And, I just want to make sure you're still there. Yes? Yeah, I am. Oh, okay. Am. Yep. <laughs> okay. If after today people want to find you, where do they where do they find you at? IzzyG.com. I-Z-Z-Y-G.com. Um, they can look me up on LinkedIn. Um, Twitter, at ImprovIzzy. I-M-P-R-O-V-I-Z-Z-Y. Uh, the website is I-Z-Z-Y-G.com. So... Since you've been working on some comedy, anything you want to give us any humor, you know, comedy stylings of Izzy G today? You got anything you've been working on? Like, hey, this is awesome. I need to share it. Oh, okay. So it's sort of like a leave them, leave them laughing kind of thing, huh? Well, <laughs> yeah. I'll try. Um, I'm, I'm getting older. I, I, I had a birthday uh, recently, and, and, and I realized that when you get to uh, over 60, uh, you start thinking about, people start asking questions about, uh, how you'd like to, to go, you know, your eulogy. And, and um, I, I thought about it, and, I, and here's how I would like to, to go uh, of my last. When I die, I'd like to go like my grandfather did, uh, smiling in his sleep, not screaming like the passengers in the backseat of his car. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Well, I've certainly appreciated spending <laughs> spending some time with you today. Anytime I get to spend with you, it's always fun because you know, you've got a great attitude and you have great insight on how to use humor practically for it in my everyday life. So thanks for your time today. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. And I want to encourage anybody listening you know, to check out Izzy's website um, and also check out AATH. That's AATH.org. And can you know look at our conference that's coming up the 12th to 15th of April in sunny San Diego. You're going to meet people, uh, cool people like Izzy there. So, um, again, thanks, my friends. You're welcome. This is LaughBox, <laughs> the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. LaughBox is made possible by a grant from the National Speakers Foundation and is brought to you by AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Find out more at AATH.org. Be sure to review LaughBox on iTunes. For show notes and more information about today's conversation, visit laughbox.aath.org.